Hey, hey, people of Earth, it's time to enter the spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick and Casey. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on spoilerverse.com. But if you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcatcher, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us and leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. of the Republic of Spoilerverse. Welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Regan. That's Mr. Horsley. And today on the show, well, it's Amanda Deavert, isn't it? It is. And she is one of the writers on the upcoming He-Man and the Master of the Universe Netflix show with Kevin Smith. Ooh, that's going to be fun. She also wrote a bunch of comic books. She wrote Superhero Girls. She wrote Teen Titans Go. Cool. uh, Work for a Million. I mean, Batman and Harley Quinn. She wrote a, a bunch of stuff. And uh, she's a very busy lady. Very busy. She wrote Wonder Woman. She talks about how she got Wonder Woman, the the the, the how she got into doing comic books, which, which is a pretty cool story. Uh, her her wife is an artist, Cat Staggs, and she does a lot of really cool stuff. And she kind of very cool. She she was already a writer for TV, and then kind of like you know got into comic books because she's like, oh, this looks fun too. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, let's sit back and listen to Amanda in her own words. Sounds good. All right, everybody, welcome again to another episode of Spoiler Country. My name is Casey Allen, and today on the show, we have screenwriter and comic book writer Amanda Dibert. Amanda, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. So you write comics and for, for television. I'm really excited to actually get into both, but but where what was the impetus for all this? I understand you you didn't write comics prior to prior to to hang around with 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 your wife, the amazing artist Cat Stags. So t- tell us what what was what was your writing experience prior to comics? So I I started out in as a television. Well, I. I started out as an actress, but I, I minored in screenwriting in college. And then I I continued to write. I, I always was writing. I was acting for a while. And then I, I started out as a writer's assistant on a show on Hulu and then continued from there. Became a TV writer. I did. I started dating Kat way, way, way back in 2008. And I was, al- I was already writing. I loved her art. It was amazing. And there was a now defunct female comedy website that I was doing some things with making some like YouTube videos and different things. And they wanted uh, a comic strip, strip, like just a, a funny ongoing comic strip. And so I talked to Kat about it and I was like, let's do this. So we collaborated on a comic strip called Hot Mess that was just stories about my life, like basically me just telling all kinds of embarrassing stories on myself (laughs) nice and my wife illustrating them and that went on weekly for about two years uh and it was it was really fun to do and the whole time I was also doing 
you know, TV writing stuff and, and other stuff. And then I, I worked on, I submitted a comic story for an, an anthology and that was really fun. That was like the first time I ever did anything comic beyond the strip. And then, so I had done, I had done the, the anthology and I had, had done a web comic basically for two years. And uh, then I was also doing comedy videos on that website and I did a video, I'm an orphan. And I did a Father's Day video that was a joke that was basically a Batman joke about myself. And it ended up going around the offices at DC. And one of the, the editors, the amazing Christy Quinn, who had worked with my wife previously, she was like, I really like this video. This was really funny. Also, you know, you've been doing this webcomic for a while. You did this thing in womanthology. Would you like to write a Wonder Woman story? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. The most iconic female superhero. <laughs> no pressure. No of pressure. All time with the tremendous <laughs> history. I'll cut my teeth on that. Sounds great. <laughs> and that is how I started professionally writing comics. That is awesome. And so what did you have any any background beyond uh, like, like any like reading background for comics pr prior to that? Oh, sure. I mean, I grew up, I was a bookworm growing up and that included every kind of book, including comic books. I was a big reader. And one of the things I'd say my, my first foray into comic books was when I was a really little girl and I would go to the grocery store with my mom, my treat, if I was, if I behaved at the grocery store was I got to pick out a new Archie comic that they sold in the checkout line. I was partial to the Betty and Veronica Digest, but I constantly, so like every week I would get a new Archie comic. And that was, that was the beginning of like loving comics, loving the idea of this medium where you have a story, but also beautiful artwork. And uh, that I was probably, gosh, I don't know, maybe like five or six when I, when I first got into those. So it was, it was not a medium that I wasn't accustomed to. <laughs> I just had never worked in it. You know, I'd always been a fan and read comics, but I didn't ever think I'd, I'd get to write them. So it was. Well, your, your career is, is amazing in that you've done so many things and done really well at them. I mean, I, w I was looking at your IMDb page earlier and I don't know if, if acting, acting is still an interest for you, but you've got a considerable amount of work under your belt already. And then you, you wrote for some schlub named Al Gore, just some, <laughs> you know, random, I think he was a senator from Tennessee back in the day. I don't know. And, but, but you've done a whole hell of a lot of things in, you know, and done really well at it. So it, it's really, it's fascinating to me, you know, just seeing all the winding routes that you've taken it's fascinating to me too it's uh i mean i think the thing is that i just don't say no to things <laughs> but yeah it's my career doesn't make a lot of sense as far as you know it's not it's not one thing but it's been really it's been really fun i find that i i'm often thrown into the deep end of things like you say writing for vice president al gore and doing a lot of climate things. I've done that for him for the last five years and different mediums within TV, live action and talk shows and animation. And it's all been really fun and cool. And I feel really lucky that I keep getting these opportunities, even if it's not a linear 
path, which I, I think is maybe a little more abnormal to not just like go down one road, but I've, I've had kind of a fun time with my crazy road. Yeah. And, and I mean, in doing so you, you've, you've opened so many other avenues for yourself later on so that mm -hmm. you can, you, you, you're not invested solely in one thing. And that, that to me is, is fascinating. I, I love that. And it seems like you could kind of pivot however you need to, to, to do whatever you want to do. So you, you were a bookworm as a kid. I was. So what, what was your jam? What was your, what was your big thing as a kid that you liked to read? Oh, God. I mean, it was everything. I'd read the back of cereal boxes. I mean, I was, <laughs> I was, I had read all the classics before I, you know, before I had finished elementary school. I was, I was that nerdy, nerdy kid who always got like the book at pizzas and. The oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when I was, when I was a kid, I mean, there was a lot of, I was a bookworm. I was totally a bookworm and I'm keeping my fingers crossed that my kids will eventually be bookworms as well. My, my five-year-old is starting to read and she's wanting to show off as much as she can. And my, my nine-year-old is kind of like, Oh yeah, this book is cool. But also I made this amazing palace on, on, uh, Minecraft or whatever. And so mm -hmm. look at this, but, uh, I'm still waiting for her to, to open up a wrinkle in time or, or something like that. I'm just mm -hmm. keeping my fingers crossed, but I, th I think for, for me as a young reader, I think a lot of it was like trying to avoid what was going on around outside, which my, my parents did not get along. There was a lot of abuse and weirdness like that. So I think that kind of contributed to my bookworminess as it I, is. So <laughs> No, I, I really, I'm sorry uh, that that was your situation and it, oh, was, it, it was true for me too. I very similar. I, I think it was an escape uh, from a less than ideal home life, which is probably true for a lot of bookworms because it is, it's a, it's a safe place you can escape and a, and a socially acceptable place for a child to escape. Oh Yeah. Yeah, the library was like a haven. It was a a good place to go, and it was it it was super cool. So so you you grew up in the Carolinas, I guess, or, or Florida? A little bit of both. I was I was born in North Carolina. I moved to Florida when I was four, and then lived there until I was seventeen, and then was back in North Carolina. And okay. then I, I also went to college in North Carolina, so it was a little. Oh, where'd you go in North Carolina? I went to UNC. Oh, cool, cool. So, how did you end up at, in as what was your route after that after college? Well, I was I was a drama major and a screenwriting minor, and then after college, I I did a, I did a movie that filmed in North Carolina, and got my got my SAG card there, and I lived in Wilmington for about six months. There's a there's a studio in Wilmington that does some TV and film, and then from there. I caravans across country with my with my uh, girlfriend at the time and my ex girlfriend at the time in true lesbian fashion. <laughs> 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 we all drove out with our cats and uh, got an apartment in Sherman Oaks, and I have been here ever since. Oh, nice, nice. 
It's nice. Mm-hmm. Now, now, when I think of, of films in the Carolinas, I immediately think of Dirty Dancing, which was a, a vacation we had to go on when I was a kid because my, my older sister insisted. So cute. We had we had to go to to see the cabin, and yeah, it was it was not filmed in upstate New York, as they said. No, no. it's it's funny movie magic. A lot of things are not filmed. Oh yeah, and that cabin was super t- super tiny. So Patrick Swayze was cramped up up in that <laughs> little deal. But uh, so you, you're a screenwriter, you're an actress, and and then you you ended up working for Al Gore. How was that? How did that come about? So I, that was before I worked for Vice President Gore, I was on a television show for a now defunct network called Pivot that was part of Participant Media. And I wrote on, they had a talk show called Take Part Live, which in its first season was more comedy oriented for millennials. So it was like news and science and politics with uh, young hosts. And then I was one of the writers. So I would write like basically monologues where I would take that information and then add some, some humor to it and make it funny, whatever. And I worked on that. They call that punch up. Is that, well, it would be punch up except I wrote the whole thing. So I would just, it was monologues and desk pieces and, you know, just all the, the host copy basically. And I worked on that for about a year and the executive producer and showrunner of that show also was one of the executive producers on a project that Vice President uh, Gore was already doing that he had already done for a few years, which was 24 Hours of Reality, which is a, it's a global broadcast that is live for 24 hours straight. And what they do is they, it's basically like an hour prime time in different parts around the world. So you have like satellite hits, you always have your main host hub where Vice President Gore is and a lot of special guests and then people around the world and it stays live the whole time. It's a live stream, but then it's also on television for that hour that it's prime time in whatever nation that it happens to be prime time in. And they had been previously the writer for it had been a writer who was on Colbert at the time and she was unavailable. And so the, my former boss who I'd worked with was like, asked me if I wanted to do it. And I was like, sure, I can handle that. And I wrote the, the whole thing, all like 526 pages of it by myself. And then I, I stay in the control room. It ends up being about 36 hours straight because we do some pre-tapes beforehand. But then the whole time it's live, I'm in the control room in case anything changes so I can on the fly uh, change copy if it's in the, in the teleprompter for the hosts. And it gets translated into a bunch of languages. It's a huge undertaking. And Vice President Gore stays up the whole 24 hours. He usually does a presentation like every hour, which is very impressive. The hosts usually take shifts. And a lot of the producing teams take shifts. But the executive producers and myself stay the whole time. So it's so, like, <laughs> it's like hardcore. It's the most hardcore thing I do. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like a, it sounds like you, you go immediately go into a coma on out at, at the end of hour 24, you, you just sleep for three days. Oh yeah. And the first year I did it, the first year I did it, my daughter was 10 months old and we were doing it in Paris at the base of the Eiffel tower. Oh my God. Uh, so I, so I, I left my daughter here with my wife. So I was across country for my daughter for the first time ever. 
which was already scary. And then it was, it was November 13th, 2015, which is when the ISIS attacks in Paris happened. Oh. So we were live when that happened, which was one of the more intense uh, work experiences I've ever had. So we were, we were live in the middle of an ISIS attack and I was across the country from my baby. And it was, I was like, well, after this, no job will ever feel stressful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> has that remained true or is it just was that just wishful thinking? Oh yeah, nothing has ever come close. I mean, I've had plenty of stressful work situations, but it's always kind of like, well, we're not in the middle of a terrorist. Yeah, you're you're not you're not getting attacked by <laughs> ISIS. It could be way worse. So yeah. So that that I mean that that's a pretty big feather to put in your cap do you have like did you get to have a close working relationship with Al Gore during this was was he a pretty cool guy he's great he is extremely down to earth makes fantastic dad jokes is really he's he's really very he's the, one of the smartest people probably the smartest the most intelligent person I've ever met and just really really does care and is very passionate and very informed and I, I super super love working for him that's that's awesome that's awesome we we need more of that <laughs> yes we do <laughs> oh my lord so we, we've talked for almost 20 minutes we haven't even really gotten into comics yet I know. or you know in regards to the writing of you write comics i do you write uh DC Superhero Girls, which my five-year-old is nuts about. My five-year-old is nuts about it, too, so it's great to be cool. <laughs> <laughs> Five-year-olds think we're cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's good. And my, my daughter now, like, she'll come pitch storylines to me. Like, oh, nice. That, and she'll be like, hey, Mom, what if Supergirl and Wonder Woman, like, punch a shark? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey, that's, I mean, th there was a time, you know, where sharks would increase ratings on TV shows. I'm sure you're aware of that. I, I mean, mean, you're, you're in, in the business. Gorillas kind of used to do the same thing for comics. Maybe that, that would do a, a comics boost. And yeah, punching sharks. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, she's, she's very invested. She she loves it when I when I read the stories to her and... And when I'm working out a story, you know, when I'm, when I'm outlining or figuring out a pitch, I will like talk it through with her or read it to her because she gets such a kick out of giving me feedback and feeling like she's helping me with my job. So <laughs> very fun. That's awesome. So what you, you not only, you know, you write for, for the younger readers, mm -hmm. but you've also done like more serious things like yeah. John Carpenter's Tales for Halloween Night. Yes. Uh, you've contributed that every year. What is something that you, when you're writing for kids now, as opposed to the comics you grew up with reading that were for kids, do you see any like big differences between how comics for younger readers are done today versus how they were done back in the day? It seems they're a lot more smarter now and a lot more um, kind of in tune with like current pop culture and stuff like that 
I would agree. I they feel they feel deeper to me now. Like like you know like they tend to really help kids deal with and grapple with. I mean, not that they they haven't always because they always did kind of grapple with big topics. But yeah, I I do feel like comics in general have gotten smarter, and I like that. I also like you know there's there's so much more variety and diversity in character representation and. I think that's huge and very helpful. There's more opportunity for kids to see a character potentially that looks or sounds like them or is dealing with something that they're dealing with, which I think is really cool. Like and I love the fact important. that superhero girls exist, that there's a, a group of girls that are superheroes that my daughter can you know, oh, yeah. look up to. I think it's super rad. So Yeah, and it, it especially like, so, like I said earlier, I have t- I have two daughters, and I, I remember when I had the the second one, a guy at work said, "Oh man, I'm sorry." I was like, "For for for what?" You know, it's not a boy. You know, two girls. Uh. I was like, "No, man, you you don't you don't get it. Kids, it they will want to have." they'll get out both my kids will get out and throw the football around with me they'll go down into the the my wife calls it the man cave but (laughs) it's basically a place for all of my shit Mm -hmm. (laughs) because she doesn't want a bunch of old comic books and you know ratty furniture that i had when i was living on my own (laughs) like in the house so it's in the basement with with my guitars and drums but um they'll they'll go down in there and chill with me and read comics and it's they they want to know who you are. Like if if your kid doesn't want to do that, and you know, then you're not you're not being you're not parenting right. You're not there enough for them to care. Mm. And it seems like both of my kids have have wanted to like, oh, tell me about Star Wars. Tell me about comics or whatever. And I've also you know tried to go into things they're interested in just because that's what you do. Yes. And so (laughs) when I see comics though, for that are targeted towards, you know, little girls, it's amazing. I love it because they, they need to see that they're represented and especially with superhero comics, because a, we need more readers anyway. And B like, they're not just for little boys. Right. And also, I mean, little boys can also pick up superhero girls. It's a fun comic. Who gives a shit? (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. And they're definitely, you know, I mean, I have definitely met and talked to little boys that are super into it. I mean, I also do. I've written some Teen Titans Go as well, which, you know, little little boys and little girls will talk to me about. But, yeah, there are definitely definitely little boys who read DC superhero girls. My my five year old has a crush on the little green guy. And Beast Boy, yes, my yes, Beast Boy is 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 the man. My daughter went through a Beast Boy crush phase too, <laughs> and go to we you know we do appearances at comic book conventions, and sometimes she goes with us, and she would get so blushy around the Beast Boy costumes. <laughs> I mean, would just get tongue tied. It was the funniest thing oh my god <laughs> i love it she she'll look at him and and i remember i said something like it do you do you like beast boys she went <laughs> he's so tall <laughs> so yeah i love it it's uh, it's the best so 
when you're writing for adults, I mean, do you, is it hard to, to kind of switch hats to go from doing that, you know, writing for like a younger reader to, you know, writing the Tales for Halloween night, writing Wonder Woman? Um, you know, it's, it's not, it's just, I mean, in a way, some of the elements of telling a good story are fundamentally the same. And then it's just about adjusting for your audience, you know, the same way that you can have an adult conversation with your adult friends and then turn around and talk to your kid and relate on their level. It's, it's kind of the same thing. It's like, you know, it's in one realm, I'm just telling a story that my, that my daughter would enjoy for younger, for younger readers. And in the other, I'm, you know, communicating with my peers and it's fun to get to play. Like, I'm glad that I don't just do one or the other because it's really fun to go super dark and twisted and gory and sometimes sexual or whatever with the, the tales for the Halloween night in which I have, you know, my, my wife and I team up on those and it's, you know, sometimes I have to apologize to her for what I'm making her draw. Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, Oh, this is going to be very disturbing. I'm sorry. And you're going to have to do some like reference research and whoops. I um I always worry that you know the the NSA guy looking at my Google searches because because I write I write too I try to write you know I'm aspiring and I'm writing a book with with an artist out of the UK his name is Pete Woods but not that Pete Woods and <laughs> he every now and then I'm I have to send like a video or a, a picture reference and I'm just like yeah this is a horrific gunshot wound just heads up. <laughs> Because it's a it's a war comic, and I, I just yeah I worry about the the health the mental health of the guy who's having to re- review my Google searches. Oh, I know. I mean, I'm sure I'm on every list. <laughs> and I just even think about like with the with the television writing. The last few months, I've been working on two different jobs. One is I was the head writer, or am the head writer on a um, a show on Quibi called Sexology which is all sex and relationship stuff. But at the same time, I was also writing episodes of the new He-Man for Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like sex toy, you know, the top 10 sex toys for this position purchase. And then like kids cartoon same time. And I was like, I am a mess. <laughs> Skeletor top. <laughs> Just ran. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really I can't wait to get into the He-Man stuff because I wasn't a huge He-Man fan when I was a kid. Like it was around. Mm-hmm. My wife, on the other hand, had a ton of the He-Man action figures. Oh cool. And yeah, she she was she loved Skeletor <laughs> and thought he was pretty rad. So <laughs> And my five-year-old actually asked me about She-Ra, and I was I was like, "Yeah, She-Ra is is He-Man's sister." And she's like, "He, whoa, 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 He-Man, who's that?" So we had to look up some of the YouTube clips oh, of fine. the old He-Man show, and we watched a few episodes of the, the like the, this is the uh, filmation, I guess, mm-hmm. He-Man, and I. I'm pretty certain you guys are gonna do way better than the original, <laughs> but I cannot wait. While still, while still, you know, there's 
definitely some homages to the original. But yeah, I watched I watched some of the original with my daughter when I before I started writing on this one, I went back to, you know, revisit the OG He-Man and so my daughter watched some of those with me too. Was Orko not annoying as hell to you? <laughs> or is it just me? I'm just like, oh my God, that guy. <laughs> yeah. So, I liked him so, as a kid. I remember finding him very funny as a kid. I remember enjoying. Oh yeah, yeah. As as a kid, he he was he was the bee's knees. But as an adult, I'm just like, oh man, you you're a screw up, or like, aren't you magic? Like, no. But what was your favorite part about about writing? And you you had an amazing cast that that's going to be reading you know the, these scripts out loud. Did did that come into come into play with how you would? how you would do your writing. I don't, when I, when I was working on the first episode that I wrote, I don't think I knew who anyone was voicing anything. Oh, really? So, mm-hmm. So, so that definitely didn't play. I mean, it was more about like, you know, you get like, you get the, the Bible with the character descriptions and the, the mock-ups and everything. So, you know, I had lots lots to go on but not as far as who, who the cast was yeah and we actually we actually interviewed the the wonder woman actress um who also is on the cast for the show and i'm, I'm blanking right now because well I'm an idiot. but which which he-man because i am not the kevin smith he-man there are two oh. done by oh there are two there are two that's the funny and strange thing is that there's the kevin smith he-man which is going to be awesome and then there's also our He-Man, which is going to be awesome, which is more geared toward kids. Oh, cool, cool. Um, so the one that I'm working on is more the demographic, um, totally unrelated and unlinked to the She-Ra universe, but more the demographic of uh, like a That's awesome. thing. So, yeah. Because I, I was one thing that I was kind of horrified about was that, you know, the, the She-Ra cartoon ha- is for a certain age. Mm-hmm. For for the most part, it, it's made to appeal to to younger mm-hmm. viewers, but it's also really watchable. It's it's a great show. I, um, great. I watched it with my nine year old. It was super fun. Mm-hmm. And then I can just imagine a Kevin Smith he man, <laughs> and I, I would worry that it would be for an older viewership, and some of the the crossover might be kind of confusing. Yeah, I think his is more for for our age. You know, for people who who grew up with it or fans of it want to revisit their childhood. And then the one that we're working on is more for the new generation. Though I think, you know, people our age will still watch it. I still think parents will enjoy it with their kids. But yeah, the one that I'm working on is much more like it is it is for kids. And where will that where will that air? That is Netflix as well. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So do you have an idea of when that that's gonna drop? I am not sure and I don't want to give a date and be wrong because there's not there's not I can't really talk about much about it right now. Okay, right now I want you to give me a guess. And no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> she give me a guess. So then some you know dumb site's gonna pick it up and say, I'm right, gonna exactly. do yeah. And then they'll be like, this oh. is fact, and I'll be like, it's not. I was just pulling it out of my ass. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so. You, you, that must have been a super enjoyable show to write. Is that your first uh, writing for animation? It is. It is the first time that I have written for animation, and it was so fun. 
and I got to go to the VO recording for the first episode that I wrote. Oh, cool. Which, which was so fun to, to listen to, you know, to listen to it come to life. And then I've seen, at this point, I've seen the animatics for that one, which is so cool. But yeah, it's been, it's been really fun to get into, into animation. I mean, in a lot of ways, it's very similar to comic book writing. Because, you know, comic book writing, you, you're thinking very visually. Each panel, you're thinking about, you know, how you're going to concisely tell a story with strong visuals when you're writing. And in a way that's kind of a perfect setup for animation. So the fact that I've written live action TV and then also comic books is, you know, I was able to lean heavily into both for animation and it made it feel very comfortable to me. So. That's... That's that's cool. So when you when you're writing for like live action mm -hmm. where you and then going into the animation, what are the huge are are there there are some huge differences between those, right? The biggest difference is you is one that that I that I have the easy cheat of having a background in comics. Is. The biggest difference is that you you do get way more into the visuals. Whereas like in a, you know, if you're writing like a fight scene for live action, you might just be like, and then they fight. And then like a stunt coordinator will come along and choreograph a cool fight. And in, in animation, you're going to get much more detailed into like what those moves are going to be and what's happening visually. And, you know, it, 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 you lean even more heavily into the show. Don't tell aspects of things. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I I kind of have a theory because I've I've talked to a few artists who or no, excuse me writers rather who actually started in theater and that co writers for comics specifically that that started in theater first mm -hmm. and then eventually transitioned to writing and and writing comics and it seems to me that like just be, I use I was a theater geek in high school. Being in theater and having to basically live in those emotions and, and think really hard about how other people act was kind of you know formative in your early abilities as a writer. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think that's the case? Just you're, you're being the emotional intelligence that you have to kind of learn. Oh, absolutely. I think that my, my drama major, I think my theater background, my film acting background, all of that definitely made me a better storyteller. Because like you said, you know, I'm very used to, you know, thinking about and inhabiting another character, really getting it, you know, you're trying to get to the essence of someone else's POV and what motivates their every thought and move. And as a writer, you want to do the same thing, but for every character that you have. So, yeah, I think it's been, I think it has probably been as valuable, if not more, than any writing training I had. Oh, for real. That's awesome. I, yeah, it's always, it's funny. I, I think there are about five different creators that I've talked to who kind of started out in theater and then ended up writing comics. And it's, it, it's, in some of the, the writers, it, it'll surprise you. I'm like, what? You you were a you were a theater geek. <laughs> um, I'm I, basically I all nerds and geeks, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I, sorry, I'm going through my questions right now. <laughs> I am a huge fan of the, the stuff that you, the John Carpenter specifically. Mm. How did you end up working for the uh, Halloween night book? Oh, they, it's so fun. Well, the first time I met Sandy King Carpenter, we were, we had both worked in an anthology together. And I met her at a book signing. And then she also got to know my wife, I think, at a convention. They might have been on a panel together. But we all got rather close and became close friends. And, and Sandy was a, a fan of Kat's work, was familiar with my work. And so she, she asked us if we would, you know, she asked me if I would write a story for it. And Kat would illustrate it. And then uh, we've been doing it every year since. It's been super fun. She was like, I'm going to drag you into horror. And I was like, sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. Yeah, it's been, it's been amazing. It's, I really love doing it. It's really fun to play in such a, in such a fun, dark arena and get to work with such amazing, you know, horror giants who are all so incredible. In the contrast between like, you know, writing DC superhero girls and then writing the, the John Carpenter stories are, it's, it's pretty huge. Mm -hmm. that, that has to be a little freeing in a way. Do you have any, like, do you have any aspirations to write for any other of the, uh, cause you've, you've mainly written for DC. Do you have anybody else that you would like to write for? Um, I love, I love writing for DC. I love writing for, for John and Sandy is uh, so incredible and so much fun and they give so much room and freedom I don't I don't know I feel like I would feel lucky to write for anyone who would have me I'd love I'd love to at some point my wife and I have some ideas for some creator owned books that we'd like to do the hardest thing has been trying to get a time where we have the time oh yeah yeah to do it and that's I'd say that's my my biggest aspiration right now would be to, though I love everything that I'm working on, so I don't want any of that to go away, but I would love to have to find some time where Kat and I could work on some of our creator-owned ideas. And I'm, I'm sure it's especially even even more an issue with, with Kat, because, I mean, you can only... you A, a writer can work on, you know, several things at a time. Artists, that it's around the clock sometimes with... Uh, Oh, all the with time. their work and oh my goodness. Yeah. I can't yeah, even I mean, imagine. That's, that's the big thing is that, you know, like you said, I can, I can work on multiple books at once or a couple books and a TV show with her. Yes. You're drawing every panel of every page. So, you know, working on a book, that's what you're working on. She's okay. also kind of a big deal. So she is she's <laughs> a big deal. So when you first, you know, started dipping your toe in the world of comics and, and hanging out with Kat. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming you, you went to a convention with her at least once or something. How oh, God, was yeah. that experience? That must have been pretty insane. Yeah, it was cool. The first, the first time I ever went to a convention uh, was, was as her girlfriend with her. It was my first ever comic book convention very early in our dating. And I went to a convention with her in Dallas she lived in Texas at the time. And it was really fun and cool. You know, I mean, I'd seen her artwork. I knew she was insanely talented. 
but it was really fun to sit at her table with her and see people, you know, gushing over her art and asking for her autograph and wanting to, you know, it was, uh, it was very cool and fun. Oh, I um, bet. And I bet you were like, my girlfriend's a badass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, wildly attractive when people are oh, like, I bet. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, that's kind of hot. Um, and you know and I got to meet a lot of her friends because you know a lot of the comic book community is scattered all over the country so a lot of the times when we're seeing each other is at these conventions is the is the really the time that we get to see each other in person and go out for dinner or have drinks after the show and so I got to meet you know a bunch of her friends that way which was a cool and fun way to you know meet your new girlfriend's friends (laughs) that's great so you have a pretty massive social media following, specifically on, on Twitter. I followed you for the longest, and you were just always the the nice lady who always says <laughs> cool things and gets discussions going. And I, I don't know that I've ever seen anybody be a jerk. In, in, I'm sure you have. But <laughs> me as a, as a, like a casual, like going through like, oh, Amanda's doing something cool again. But <laughs> that has to, is that exhausting? You, you, do, you, do you get a lot out of the social media and, and con- kind of talking to the fans? I do or I wouldn't do it for sure. It's, it's really fun. It's been, it's been cool. You know, the, the positive threads and like the, and the questions that I ask and that kind of thing it started kind of on a whim and then people seemed to get so much out of it. And like you said, it, it seemed, they seemed to stay very positive and build a sense of community and people feeling really heard and really like they could share and people sharing deeply personal things, being much more open and honest and raw and vulnerable than I would have ever expected. That was so touching to me. And it, I, I think I get as much out of it as everyone else does, if not more. I find it lifts my spirits when I'm feeling kind of down about things. It gives me a good perspective. It keeps the, you know, social media can be a dumpster fire. And things like that remind me that, like, mostly people are good. Mostly people are going through their own shit. And we all have, like, these common life experiences. And if we can focus on that part of things, it's a lot more productive. That's great. And I I see that the way you respond to people, it, there's um, you're talking about people being vulnerable and a little bit more open. And I can see that you, you feel a little bit of a responsibility there and just kind of being compassionate towards people uh, what, when they're vulnerable like that. So I, I really just wanted to commend you for that. And it's, it's one of the few things that kind of makes Twitter um, not a terrible place to be on. So I, I appreciate that. And thank you. I, my my unofficial job is to make Twitter not suck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also see like people like Gail, who Gail, excuse me, Gail Simone, who mm-hmm. get on there and is super nice and makes you know, funny jokes and, you know, kind of is, is cheeky sometimes and people just act like jerks towards or something. And it really irritates the crap out of me. I do not get that, but I don't either. You know, there's always going to be assholes that, you know, it's, 
the the threads of the questions have stayed fairly asshole three free. My my other tweets, not so much. You know, it can be really hit or miss. I think you know some people just get off on any attention, which includes negative attention. Oh, yeah. I the only reason that I can imagine that they go after Gail so hard, other than the fact that she's immensely talented and there's probably some jealousy there um, because she's obviously indisputably amazing. Um, it is so irritating. And it, it, I'm 100% certain that, you know, if some of the things that she talks about, you know, if she were not a woman, it would not be an issue, but oh. people are assholes. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, my favorite thing in the world is when somebody ends up trying to explain a character that she, oh, yeah, <laughs> to her. It's my like, oh, I made that character popular. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> it just thrills me to no end when that happens. Do you have anybody in the DC universe that you really want to write? Batwoman. Batwoman. Mm hmm. Oh yeah, she's super cool. Yeah, yeah, she's rad. I I was wondering. So my wife's cousin <laughs> posted something on Facebook the other day, and I was I was like, mentioned to her like, oh hey, this this is a cool post, and she said, yeah, my friend uh, my friend from high school amended Debert posted and i stole it from her i was like oh amanda deaver the writer she does comics and she said no no it was amanda deaver that i grew up with she's really cool i just wanted to say that that other amanda deaver can kick rocks because and i i, I noticed that i just said your name wrong the entire time like a jackass but it was it me or was it not now i'm now i'm wondering no no because it this this girl is from pennsylvania so i'm assuming oh, not we are um i know her i mean i don't you know, know her, an amanda oh. diver from pennsylvania yeah so we've been we've holy been smokes friends for time. yeah um, <laughs> that is hilarious yeah I actually, I actually just talked to one of her art classes on Skype about writing comic books. Holy um, smokes! Yeah, that is hilarious. Yeah, I've oh, never, that's so awesome. <laughs> we've been we've been social media friends for, since back in the MySpace days. We found each other because we had the same name. So yeah, that is hilarious because. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mentioned she said I was my friend from high school Amanda Divert and I was like oh cool I'm talking to her in two weeks and she went huh I said yeah the comic writer and I got crickets so yeah that is hilarious that is very funny what do you do to recharge because it seems like you know you're your mom you write you're on social media which is a job in and of itself you you you're spinning a lot of plates, not only. Think. Yeah. So <laughs> what, what do you do to, to kind of refocus, recharge, regroup, get your mind fresh? Mm, that's a good question. My daughter is, is a big one for me. Although, you know, as you're a parent yourself, you understand that there's an exhausting element to that too. Yes. But, yes. <laughs> but but it, it's, it's worth it. It does. Yeah. Playing, playing with her, hanging out with her is a big one. 
and then, you know, it used to be going out and seeing my friends. Now it's, I guess, having FaceTime wine with my friends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I try to I try to do things to, you know, have some physical activity every day to just kind of try to get out of my head, um, hang out with my wife, just kind of the, the usual boring things, read a little, cook a little, you know. That's nice. So... Do you share an office with with Cat? Do you do you guys work? Do you work out of the home, or do y'all have a, a place that you go to do your your separate assignments? Well, now we're we're working out of the home because we, you know, everybody's home. We used to have separate offices in our old place, but the the house that we live in now for the last when has it been three or four years? We don't. Cat has a studio in our office, and I come out we have a lovely back patio and we live in southern california so the weather's kind of so it's fairly nice yeah yeah so i sit out on the back patio and do my work outside because it gives me a place that's quiet and away from our daughter some of the time sometimes she comes out and plays while i'm working too but yeah i mostly i mostly do my work outside that's nice that yeah. that's actually like super cool I wish we, I mean, Alabama, you know how it is in the South. I do. I mean, humid, humid. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm just waiting for the skiers to get, mm -hmm. get bad enough to carry us away. We were watching a documentary today about uh, a particular bird that eats mosquitoes. And, you know, like the people that have the gourds in their backyard. Mm -hmm. So we live out in the country and we can have, you know, stuff like that out. So, you know, and people won't think we're you know, hillbillies or whatever. <laughs> uh, so I'm totally thinking about hanging up some gourds just to help with like bugs and stuff like that. I mean, why not? Look, if I, if, you know, if you can get a bird to set up shop that eats mosquitoes, do it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I was on the back deck earlier today and I'm just like covered in bug bites already. And it's still, you know, kind of springish right now. Do not miss that part of the South at all. <laughs> I mean, we get we get some mosquitoes here, but it's nothing like you know. It's nothing like mosquitoes in the South. Like yeah, well, I'm, I'm actually outside on my back patio at 9 p.m. at night right now, and I haven't had a single bite. Not to brag. Oh, but. nice, nice. <laughs> what uh, what part of Florida were you in? Central Florida. So I was about 45 minutes north of Orlando in a, a small town called Mount Dora. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. It's like, is it swampy and stuff? Oh, yeah. or it, it literally called Lake County and lived up to its name. Full of, full of lakes, lots of alligators, lots of snakes, lots of mosquitoes. You know, just, yeah. Very, very lakey, very swampy. I, do when when you write, do you listen to music or anything like that? Do you do anything that kind of get your get in the right headspace? I do, although I have to be careful if I if I listen to music with lyrics, I'll get like pulled into the lyrics. So I have to usually listen to things that don't have lyrics when I'm writing. Because I because I tend because I'm a writer, I think. I, I tend to focus on words of songs and you know, I'm I'm very into into lyrics and I'll, I'll start focusing on that instead of what I'm trying to, to do. Nice. Nice. Lately I've, so we, we have like the, the NASA thing on our uh, TV. It's like mm -hmm. you can watch from the international space station and I'll turn that on 
And so you just looking down on the earth. Oh, that's like awesome. A, yeah, like a big blue orb. And I'll put on some, I'll, I have a playlist I've been making for myself and my artist. And I'll listen to that to kind of get into the headspace. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really cool. But the girls, both my kids, had a tent set up in the bedroom. And they had me turn it on the uh, space station. And they were pretending oh, they were in awesome. <laughs> I it love was, that. I feel that for my daughter. That's awesome. It was great. And it, it like it's totally a mood setter. So, <laughs> well... Is there anything you want to talk about before I let you go? Because I don't want to keep you on for too long. I can't. I feel like we've. I can't think of anything we haven't covered. Well, I'm just really glad that you are the same person on Twitter as you are, like in 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 conversation. Super nice, <laughs> and put up with my dumb jokes. And I, I super appreciate you talking to us. Well, I thank you very much for, for having me. This was really fun and lovely. Oh, oh one, one more thing. Okay, so comic shops, they're huge. We need them around. Mm-hmm. Do you have a comic shop that you, you have a particular liking for? We have several. Golden Apple in here in Los Angeles has always been extremely good to us and I love them dearly. My boy TJ Troy goes there all the time, yeah. Love that place. There's also... In our own little neighborhood area, there's a small comic shop called Black Cat Comics in in Burbank, which we love. And then in the opposite direction in Burbank is a really cool comic shop called The Perky Nerd, which we Yes, yes. And that lady is super nice. I've actually had a conversation with her via email. She's super nice. She is really sweet. I like her a lot, and that's a great store. Well, Amanda Dibert... Thank you so much for coming on. If there's, if you ever have anything you want us to promote, or if you ever want to come back on again and talk to the dumb guy from Alabama, uh, <laughs> by all means, give us a shout out. And I can't wait to to see the new He Man. And what what is the actual name of the show? Is it? Uh, it is He Man and the Masters of the Universe. Awesome, awesome. Mm-hmm. So can't wait for that to come out. And again, like if anything comes up and you want us to to chat about it. By all means, let us know. Awesome. Thank you so much. Lovely. Thank you. Have a good one, okay? All right. You too. All right. Goodbye. Bye. We're back, and that was a lot of fun, man. Amanda seems like a really cool girl. I can't... You know what? Hmm. Every time I talk to people now, all I think is, well... Do I say girl? Do I say lady? Do I say person? Same, same. I'm like, you know is, what I mean? is girl now disrespectful? Okay, or is it right, or do I have to say women? And I don't, because yeah. I never mean it disrespectful, but I guess you wouldn't go to a guy and say, oh, he was a nice boy, you know? So I get no, it. No, but you would say he's a nice man. Yeah, but girl is a similar to boy, you know, whereas man is a woman. I guess it is. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. So if I'm not going to, if I'm not going to go and say, oh, Kendrick's well, a nice boy. If I'm going to say you're a nice man, I, then I should say, you know, so, uh, woman yeah, is nice or he's women. a good person. Yeah. Or a good person. Yeah. She seems like a, see, there it is again. Yeah. What do you do? She's awesome. Well, Amanda seems really cool. Yeah. Casey, had, Casey had a lot of fun talking with her. They had a, they had a good time. Okay. Yeah. And hopefully uh, we can get her back on. Talk I'm sure. Some more. Oh, I'm sure we can. She seemed pretty, she's pretty cool. And they talked, uh, they talked a lot about a lot of cool stuff and. 
I'm super excited for the He-Man show that's coming out, and you know. Well, that's what I want to know if we can get her back on after He-Man comes out to mm. talk about it. Oh, I'm sure we can just ask her. I'm sure she'll say yes. Cool. Well, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's, let's do, do it. This. All right, man. That's a show. That is a show. That is a show. It's a weird outro. It's we're a, weird today. We are weird today. We're off today, but it's okay. I don't know if we're off. We're just odd. Just odd today. We're oddly off? Sure. Whichever, <laughs> one, whichever one you want to pick. <laughs> All right, guys. We are out of here. Here's something that we forgot to do on the last one that we just did. <laughs> yeah. If you like what you heard <laughs> and you want to hear more, head out to spoilerverse.com. And there is a ton of other podcasts, not only ours, with lots of cool stuff. Uh, I don't even know where I was going with that. I am way off. There's lots of shows to listen to. There's lots of articles, lots of uh, previews and reviews of books and movies and TV shows out there. And video games, too. We have a video game podcast and a whole video game section of the website. Um, Got so much more cool stuff coming soon. There's a store link you can click on up in the top to go on and get a t-shirt or a hoodie or a mug or a, a face mask or whatever. Remember, when you go in public, wear a mask right now because, you know, one, it's, it's if you're in Washington, it's the it's law, and two, law. It's, it's nice. Just do it. It's not can for you. Say, it's for everybody else. Can people just stop freaking out about having to wear a face mask? Is it that right. big a deal? Oh, I know, dude. It's so ridiculous. It's like, oh, the government can't make me wear a mask. They make you wear pants, so, and Who it's not cares? a big deal. Just wear the freaking mask. Yeah. Is it, what, what is, what is happening? I don't, I don't understand this mentality. I like watch this thing and I watch people on Facebook and everything. And I'm like, what is happening? Yeah. Why do you care this much about a freaking mask? Right? You've you inconvenienced Ugh. for 20 minutes going to the store. No, I don't care. Wear a mask. <laughs> so. All right. We're out of here. So many the notions of podcast. We are Cthulhu. And as Cthulhu compels you to do. <laughs> Open the mind. Oh, we suck. And read more. And wear a mask. <laughs> Where to? Yeah. <laughs> We've got two, sure. <laughs>